From a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation? Intriguing stories and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. What if you took the time to really soak it? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca, your host, and I appreciate you listening to my show. Speak to me. My team and I spend a lot of time and energy thinking and preparing for our show about things I care about and that I think you will too. So talk to me. Let me know what you're thinking. If you find my show riveting, valuable, horrific, or even offensive, or fill in the blank, just jet me an email at info at talkwithfrancesca.com or go right to my website, talkwithfrancesca.com, and fill out the contact form. You can also visit me on Facebook, and I promise I will get right back to you. If you miss part of the show, you can go to recent shows on my website, talkwithfrancesca.com and you can listen there and I'm now on iTunes so plenty of places to listen to Talk with Francesca we've got lots to cover today so pick up your favorite beverage and let's get going my favorite beverage is coffee that's right coffee I, I said it exactly as it is it is heart healthy coffee and the Vera Roasting Company makes it and you know what makes it so healthy it has resveratrol in it That's the stuff that makes red wine good for you. But of course, the coffee doesn't have the alcohol. And the 13th emailer to info at talkwithfrancesca.com is going to win a free bag of this fabulous liquid libation. All you got to do is put in the subject line, healthy coffee, and your name and address in the body, and it's yours, 13th person. So jump on your computers now, and good luck. All right, enough housekeeping. Can you guess who the fastest growing group of business owners are? If you said women of color, you deserve a high five. As marketing expert Claudia Newcorn, she is my guest today, will point out 79% of women-owned firms launched over the past nine years were founded by women of color. As of last year, there were an estimated 1.9 million African-American women-owned firms and just under 1.9 million firms owned by Latina women. Claudia Newcorn is here to discuss what's fueling this phenomenon, why what minority women can do to avoid having their new businesses fail within the first two years, where you'll, where you'll find the highest concentration of women's businesses, startups, and much, much more. Uh, Claudia is an award-winning strategic marketing consultant and author of Zipline to Success Fast Track, marketing strategies to accelerate your sales and profits. She's a favorite of media. She once hosted her own TV show, and I am thrilled to bring her here with us today. So a big welcome to you, Claudia. Francesca, thanks so much for having me on your show today. I'm really looking forward to talking with people about this topic. Oh, great. So I am too. And I'd like to start by asking you why you think African-American women are leading the charge in opening businesses. There's a couple of really important factors. First, small businesses are the engine of the economy, Francesca. It's really amazing when you take a look at business profiles, how many are small businesses in general. I think because today it's a boom economy, Uh, we are now in one of the longest economic expansions ever. There's a real opportunity and people are inspired to start their own businesses. 
That said, I think what makes this very unique to women is that a big driver in women's desire to chart their own life course and pursue success on their own terms is fueling them to start their businesses. And more than ever before, women of color are part of this. They are better educated, they have more opportunities, and they're part of the drive saying, I want to run my own business, I know I can do this, and I believe I can make it a success. And I think a couple of my interns are going to be really thrilled to hear this show because uh, they're sharp as a tack. And um, a, a big shout out to them, too. They're just amazing women. And I just know they're they're um, in college. And I just know that they're going to just really go places. So um, anyway. So where are the highest concentration of women's businesses um, started occurring? It's actually surprising. When I was looking at the statistics, Nevada... District of Columbia, South Dakota, North Dakota, and Georgia. This is where the most women-owned businesses increased between 1997 and 2017. And those are surprisingly high-growth areas from a population standpoint as well. It's hmm. interesting. Well, I, c- I could see Nevada, uh, Atlanta, but South and North Dakota wouldn't wouldn't jump out at me I wouldn't think that would be a place or maybe those are just a lot of mining and growth up there a lot Mm -hmm. of industrialization Mm -hmm. I mean it's kind of like I jokingly say if you plant a house plant today a house plant is you put a house seed in the ground pour water on it and it's a full-size house the next day Mm -hmm. they've had huge population expansion and I believe women-owned businesses are of course taking advantage of this like any smart business person would and setting up shops Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So you have this fabulous book. I love it. By the way, San Francisco Book Festival winner listeners, Zipline to Success, Fast Track Marketing strate- Strategies to Accelerate Your Sales and Profits. And it's by my guest today, Claudia Newcorn. Uh, beautiful book. And I, I love the, the, the Zipline to Success, the, the person hanging off that <laughs> that line there, <laughs> very action oriented. Um, so, yeah, but I was that person. Oh. You me. Uh, a recommendation to anyone who ever wants to ride a zip line: always wear good fitting shoes. I was dressed in my business togs for a photo shoot, uh-huh. and I, you know, go down the zip line. My shoes are trying to fall off. Uh, and it was like, oh my lord, I'll never do this again in other than proper clothing. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Well, we've got a lot to cover in this first segment of the show. We've got about 25 minutes, so I want to make sure that we take advantage of giving our uh, listeners as much information as possible. So, in your book, you outline critical marketing strategies needed for measurable results. What's your essential strategy that you can share with our listeners today? The most important thing you should know when starting or running a business, Francesca, is who your buyers are. And I cannot stress that enough. Very often, people will start their companies and say, okay, my buyers are everyone. And there ain't no such animal. You are not going to have everyone come to purchase your product unless you're the only provider of it within an hour's driving radius. And let me give a quick example of that. I was working with a tour company up in Yosemite. And uh, they had been to Italy. She had launched a concierge-style tour service expecting people would beat a path to her door, and nothing was happening. I mean, literally. Their cobwebs going on the phone. And she started to get an occasional call from a bride asking would she provide a uh, transportation service so, you know, the tipsy guests at a reception would have safe transport. Mm -hmm. She realized that 
she had not assessed her market correctly and she repositioned, we worked together, we repositioned and repackaged the business into an award-winning shuttle uh, transportation services for the bridal industry. As a result, five years later, instead of being a business failure, she is the number one transportation group up in the mother load, which is near Yosemite, and everyone is contacting her and she has to actually turn away business, all because she realized she had made the wrong assessment of her market and then was willing to make a change and pay attention to what was going on. You can imagine how you would feel if you had a business that was going down the tubes mm. and a simple change would enable you to be a success. So how should small businesses go about researching their market with little or no money? This is wonderful. Uh, hooray for the Internet. There is so much incredible data out there that people can use very quickly. I would recommend that what you do if you're assessing your market, whether you're starting a business or have an existing one, is Google uh, via, using Google, the U.S. Census Quick Facts. These provide market profiles for most towns, cities, counties, and regions. Lots of detail about uh, gender profile, economics, home ownership, you name it. Mm -hmm. Then the other thing you can also do is look up city-dat.com. This provides in-depth market profiles even further down than the U.S. Census to allow you to really understand a market and a community that you might want to serve. And the last recommendation I'll make to you is that shop your competitors to see who their customers are and get an idea who they're serving. Okay, that sounds good to me. All right, so what do you say to people who think marketing is a waste of time or that it doesn't work? My comeback, honestly, is you have not used marketing effectively. This is a very common complaint I get, Francesco, and I am first meeting with all my clients. Oh, I've spent a lot of money on marketing. But when we start discussing exactly what's been done, what it turns out is they're assuming that marketing is advertising and promotion. And yeah, that's part of it. Mm -hmm. But that's only a small part of the equation. It'd be kind of like saying to someone, a cake is flour and sugar. Well, there's a ton of other ingredients that go to making an amazing cake. Marketing is all of those ingredients to produce really good results. So what's the best piece of marketing advice that you've got in your bag of tricks? My favorite one really is if you do nothing else, shock your competitors. I consider competitors my best friend. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine people go, what are you talking about? And the reality is competitors are already out there. They've already beaten the path. And so by shopping with them, you're going to be able to get an idea of what's going on with target audience. And quick example, I'm working currently with a microbrewery, great beer, just absolutely delicious. And they decided their sole focus was going to be the cheapest microbrew out there. But craft brews are high-end products. And this raised a lot of doubts about their quality. I said, would you please go down to the area craft breweries and let's check them out. And we did. And the end result is they realized that by pricing themselves too cheaply, focusing that as their marketing message, they were actually sabotaging their business. Mm -hmm. We raised prices. There was absolutely no pushback. And now more people are coming to their tap room because they think it's a good quality. That's what knowing your competition is about. How do you position yourself to stand out, to be different, to be unique? You can't answer that question if you haven't shopped your competition. 
Yeah, and isn't it funny that we, when something costs more, we think it has more value? I think that is just, I think that is so true. Um, do you know who Dan Arley is? I've heard the name, yes. Yeah, he's a very, very interesting guy. Uh, interviewed him years ago, but you know, he answers these these questions about about life and um you know one of them is you know why is it i remember why is it that people think if something costs more that it's more valuable it's like um same thing with um uh taking a a tylenol versus a you know whether it be cvs brand or you know a generic brand or a walgreens brand i know for me i had some um I had a, a root canal a, a bit ago, and I, I, I took the the uh, generic brand. This isn't working, you know. And I I had to have the the one that <laughs> had the name on it, you know, the the Tylenol or the Motrin, you know. So I think there's people have this this mindset. If it costs more, it it's got more value. Would you say that's accurate? That is the perception, and you know that's really part of the heart of marketing. You can look at it this way. If you look at a car, what is it? Four wheels, a steering wheel, and an engine, right? Mm-hmm. Well, but there's Lexus, Toyota, VW, Bugs, BMWs, Lamborghinis, if you really want to go high-end. And what the message is, is you're not just buying a vehicle to transport you. You are buying a product that says something about you. A Lexus buyer is different from a BMW buyer is different from someone who's tooling around in a beat-up old jalopy. And so pricing, packaging, uh, how you tell your story about your product all rolls up into what marketing is, is making a prospective buyer say, that's the product that I want to buy. It works for me. It says something about me. It reflects on me. That's really what marketing is about. Mm-hmm. In today's day and age, do you feel like digital advertising outweighs traditional advertising? No, I don't. And that's an excellent question. I believe it boils back down to who your target audience is. For example, if you are targeting senior citizens, it's not that they're not online, but there is still a strong reliance on, for example, uh, the yellow pages. The yellow pages are not dead, contrary to popular opinion. Really? Uh, Oh, no. I mean, they're skinnier. I think the average person can tear them in half now instead of uh, Muhammad Ali. But they are still a very active device, and they're great for doing competitive research, by the way. And Or print newspapers. Now, 30 years from now, I'd say a lot of print vehicles may be dead. Mm. But again, you want to ask yourself, who's my buyer, and where does my tribe live? If you're targeting millennials, okay, yeah, it's going to be more digital. But that doesn't preclude outreach through flyers, going to events. Um, having the opportunity to speak with you and interview on your radio show. These are all forms of outreach to your buyers. Mm-hmm. All right. We do need to take a short break. Um, when we come back, um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about what new business owners can do that will set them apart from competitors. So we, you are listening to Talk with Francesca. Don't jump on that plane. We're talking to Claudia Newcorn about her new book, Zipline to Success. So hang tight. Don't touch that dial. We will be right back. Don't try so Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terra Mia Ristorante. 
a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy tutorial with stucco walls and beam ceilings specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisines here, the atmosphere is elegant yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Restaurante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing, and best of all, it's reasonably priced. This best-kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112 or visit terramiarestaurante.com. Your body is not the only part of you that needs training. Your brain needs it too. Decision making and focus are one of the most important skills to accomplish your goals in life. Combat brain training is the first targeted neuroplasticity training that actually improves your cognitive ability to observe, decide, and act better and faster. Unlike digital-based programs that research shows create minimal or no real-world benefits, it incorporates portable handheld training tools that utilize all parts of the brain. 100% of the people who have followed the program report significant improvements in performance regardless of starting cognitive baseline. This program is perfect for anyone looking to accelerate their thinking process and really focus more effectively on any task at hand. Don't wait any longer. Go to CombatBrainTraining.com and find out more. Captain Lord Mansion is the ultimate bed and breakfast experience. It's the only AAA four-diamond bed and breakfast in Kennebunkport. But it's so much more. It's the perfect, elegant, romantic getaway. Relax at their day spa. Be pampered in your room with heated floors, jetted showers and tubs, gas fireplaces, king and queen beds, flat screen TVs, and all the quaintness with all the modern conveniences. Be surrounded by impeccable gardens, waterfalls, fountains, a putting green a charming gift shop, wine cellar, the list goes on and on, including a full three-course breakfast. This is a stay that you will never forget. Engage in our special offers. Call 207-967-3141. 207-967-3141. CaptainLordMansion.com. In Kennebunkport, Maine, memories and elegance await you. We are back, and you're listening to Talk with Francesca, and I am speaking to Claudia Newcorn. She has written a book, Zipline to Success, Fast-Track Marketing Strategies to Accelerate Your Sales and Profits. So welcome back, Claudia. Thanks so very much, Francesca. I wanted to share with you that, as you know, I went to Wellesley College mm-hmm. out in Massachusetts, oh, okay. and I know a lot of my fellow alumni are listening to your show on a regular basis and enjoy it. Oh, well, thank you very much for that. I appreciate you, you letting me know that. So what can new business owners do that will set them apart from competitors? The power of being a new business owner and a startup is stepping back and saying to yourself, what makes me special and unique. This is absolutely pivotal in marketing. Very often as I work with new business owners, I'll tell them, how do you set yourself apart? And I ask the same thing to anyone. What should make me want to buy from you? So if you can't tell me what makes you special, then how are you going to give me a message? Tell me why, give me reasons why that I should buy from you. And finally, how do you communicate that message on what for most startups tends to be a low budget, which is very normal and very common. And I think you asked earlier, is uh, marketing a waste of money and time? 
Well, especially if you're in a low budget and you don't know how to do what I call stealth marketing tactics, you're going to burn through your budget real fast. And now how are you going to reach your audience? So what are some ways that, that you can really inexpensively market yourself? My favorite, honestly, are business cards. Every time I do a workshop or speak at a organization, first thing I do is say, hey, hold up your business cards. And so everyone puts up their business card. They're kind of flapping in the breeze there. And then I say, turn your business card around. Let me see the reverse. No exaggeration. At least 85% of the cards have absolutely nothing on the back. This thing is a mini billboard. And here you are wasting all of this uh, marketing space. I'm working with an ice cream company. And they were failing, absolutely due to go down the tubes. And I helped them go from failure to success. They've been growing 25% per year since we started working together. Because all they did was on the back of their card, they put a customer loyalty program, which is, you know, every time you come in, you get a whole punch or initialing. They also announced they did catering and they put all their social media links. It's something as simple. You're going to print that card, mm-hmm. use the backside for your marketing as well. You know, one of the thing when I, I had a business um, many years ago, I owned a dating service of all things, right? In the old days when there was no online dating. And, you know, every time I had any idea, anything new, I'd let the newspapers know about it. And, you know, it's it's amazing. A lot of people don't even think to, to that they'll print stuff. You know, it could be a tiny little thing that you're doing. Um, and, and it's free. And, and, I mean, you know, it's it's press. And people don't realize that. And it's, it's, it gets your name out there. Exactly. It's visibility. Today you can get uh, window clings for your car. So you can turn your car into a billboard. If you have a retail shop, you can put banners or window clings on the interior to get passersby's attention. These are all low-cost options, and yet the visibility is tremendous. So, okay, what are what's a question I haven't asked you that, that would make a difference to our listeners? I would, one question you haven't asked is about social media. Mm. And I really would like to take a moment to speak about that. Sure. This is the most common question I get from every single client I work with. Where do I go on social media and don't I have to be everywhere? And the answer is a resounding no, you don't. All different social media channels. I mean, there's two operative words, Francesca. First is social. The second is media. Media channels mean the different ones connect with different people. Facebook targets a certain audience. LinkedIn does. Pinterest, Snapchat, and the list goes on. The other aspect is it's social media. So first, you have to choose the media channel where your buyers are, your target audience. You know, that's why that's so important. And then secondly, you have to recognize it's about social. This isn't about saying, hi, promotion, ad, buy, buy. That's not what people are coming to your, say, Facebook page to learn. They're looking to build a relationship with you. The current rule of thumb is that when you post on social media, your promotion should be at most one out of every four or out of every five posts. So now you're presenting yourself as an expert. Can you educate your followers? Can you link them to articles that are relevant? What can you do to make them see you as a trustworthy expert, someone they can rely on, so when they're ready to buy and you promote, now your social media is working. 
This is where a lot of companies fall apart is on how to use social media effectively, and it's actually very simple. One of my interns has a question for you. Have you ever wanted to know the number one industry secret to keeping your business afloat? (laughs) 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 So so what I want to know is, okay, so... Have you ever wanted to know the number one industry secret to keeping your business afloat? Okay, so what is the number one industry secret to keeping your business afloat? Your customers. Stay in touch with them. Customers are constantly changing. It's hard to believe, Francesca, but the smartphone is only 10 years old. When you think of how it's revolutionized communications, advertising, and the list goes on. If you especially are an established business that's been open for a while, Recognize that your buyers of 10 years ago or 20 years ago are totally different. And if you're still marketing and connecting and reaching out to them the same way, you are missing a lot of opportunities. It can be as simple as a customer survey in your store, chatting up your customers. Find out how do they learn about companies like you? Why do they like you? Why do they recommend you to other people? Because in that is an amazing power and treasure trove of information that will help you continue to grow your business, keep it running, and stay relevant in the years to come. We're talking to Claudia Newcorn this morning. She's written a book, Zipline to Success, and you're listening to Talk with Francesca. Um, Is there um, a wrong way, Claudia, to use... uh, I I just skipped... I I wanted to ask you this and then got off onto another question, but is there a wrong way to use social media as a means of advertisement? Yes, it uh, really, it's using it, a pure, seeing it purely as a billboard. In other words, promote, you know, sale, 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 buy, buy, buy. It's a turnoff. Mm. Haven't you ever been on a site and all you see is, you know, yes. promotions? Yes. And a lot of business owners yeah. make this mistake. I was working with a salon and every post was about how wonderful they were and when are we going to shop and take advantage of a discount. And she goes, Claudia, my um, followers are dropping off. I said, well, duh, all you're doing is operating like this is a sales platform. Mm-hmm. And that's not what social media is about. All right. Uh, right. On my website, Francesca, I offer a free download that talks about how you can really figure out who you, your buyers are and smart tips on low-budget ways to boost your customer loyalty. And part of what I write about is how to look at social media and leverage it effectively. Oh, well, fantastic. We have about two minutes left, so can you give our listeners that address? Certainly. If you'll go to zipline2success.com, there is a free download. You can see it in the upper right corner of the website. And uh, just sign up for that, and it will be sent to you immediately. There is about five excellent articles on a variety of topics, including social media and self-marketing. Fantastic. We have a minute and 15 seconds left. Hate to put you in a box, but what in, in, the, in your book, you point out the difference between being busy and being productive. What are ways to avoid falling into this trap? Operating word is plan. We often confuse busyness with productivity, Francesca, and that's really dangerous because especially as a small business owner, you don't have much time. It's plan, organize yourself, and then measure yourself against your plan. You sometimes have to get above your business on the zip line. In other words, work on your business, not just in your business. Mm -hmm. And that's the way to say, hey, look at all I'm accomplishing, all I'm doing. By planning it out and writing it down, you have a 
dramatically. We're talking 100% higher chance of success, and that's what I recommend to all my clients. Fantastic. Claudia Newcorn, thank you so much for being on Talk with Francesca this morning. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it, and I'm sure this information will be of help to many of your listeners. Oh, absolutely. Thanks again. Have a great week. You too. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. With hundreds of shows about true crime currently on the air, I think it's safe to say that Americans are fascinated by murder. Millions of people tune in to watch murder mysteries unfold, and others, like Mark Shaw, investigate them for a living. Mark is a former criminal defense attorney and legal analyst for CNN, ESPN, and USA Today for the Mike Tyson, O.J. Simpson, and Kobe Bryant cases. Mark Shaw is an investigative reporter and the author of 25 books, including The Poison Patriarch, Miscarriage of Justice, and Beneath the Mask of Holiness. When we come back, stay with us here. Life is constantly evolving, relationships beginning, relationships ending, careers progress while some fail to thrive, fortunes abundant are only two pennies to rub together. When life is at a crossroads, psychic medium Ann Donnell has helped thousands locally and all over the country, including myself with her psychic insight and guidance. Anne is not only a professional psychic medium, but she's also the girl next door and extremely down to earth. Once you meet her, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So visit her or book your appointment today at annedonnell.com to find out about her offerings and hear what people are saying about Anne's readings. That's www.annedonnell.com. Curious? Check her out. You'll be glad you did. Captain Lord Mansion is the ultimate bed and breakfast experience. It's the only AAA four diamond bed and breakfast in Kennebunkport. But it's so much more. It's the perfect, elegant, romantic getaway. Relax at their day spa. Be pampered in your room with heated floors, jetted showers and tubs, gas fireplaces, king and queen beds, flat screen TVs, and all the quaintness with all the modern conveniences. Be surrounded by impeccable gardens, waterfalls, fountains, a putting green a charming gift shop, wine cellar, the list goes on and on, including a full three-course breakfast. This is a stay that you will never forget. Engage in our special offers. Call 207-967-3141. 207-967-3141. CaptainLordMansion.com. In Kennebunkport, Maine. Memories and elegance await you. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723-6733 or visit us at AnticoFornoBoston.com. The easiest way to improve your health is to switch to a healthier coffee. Over 19,000 studies have shown that coffee makes a fundamental difference in health and longevity. It also comes down to drinking a roast that comes without the bad stuff and has more of the good stuff. Delicious, purity, organic coffee has been tested to be free of molds, liptotoxins, and pesticides, as well as having the single highest level of antioxidants of any coffee tested. 
Go to puritycoffee.com and use code COFFEETALK to get 20% off your first order. Once again, that's puritycoffee.com. Offer code C-O-F-F-E-E-T-A-L-K. All right, we are back and you're listening to Talk with Francesca and I have with us here today Mark Shaw. He is a former criminal defense attorney and legal analyst for CNN, ESPN, and USA Today for the Mike Tyson, O.J. Simpson, and Kobe Bryant cases. And he's also an investigative reporter and author of 25 books. Yep, you heard that right, including The Poison Patriarch, Miscarriage of Justice, and Beneath the Mask of Holiness. Uh, Mr. Shaw has written for USA Today, Huffington Post, and the New York Times Daily. And so I am very excited and thrilled to have him with us here today. So big welcome to you, Mark. Hey, thank you so much. appreciate it. Okay, so why, after 50 years, is the JFK assassination still the greatest murder mystery in history? Well, you know, I, I think everybody would have an opinion on that. In my books, I like to let people make up their own mind, but I'll give you my thought is that, you know, JFK, despite some flaws uh, that we all know about, uh, you know, was was a charismatic uh, president, uh, looked up to, uh, there was a lot of inspiration for things that he said, no one can ever forget his inaugural inaugural address, I mean, Mm -hmm. he he was a bigger than life character, and uh, the, the good looks, all of that, I think that uh, is part of this, uh, the aura about the Kennedys, probably part of it too. So, you know, if it had been another president, no, I don't know, Jimmy Carter or, or you know, or Gerald Ford, uh, some of the other presidents we've had, I'm not so sure that would have shocked the nation and shocked people as much as, uh, JFK dying. I mean, at, at an early age, 44, mm-hmm. all of that. And so, uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, it's lingered over the years. You know, what really happened? People trying to find the truth about what happened when JFK was assassinated. You know, I remember that day. I was just a little girl, and my mm-hmm. mother was just crying, and cr- mm-hmm. it was just, it was unbelievable. I mean, I just never forgot that day, and I was very young, but. Um, of the assassination documents released by the government, though, in October, can you pinpoint a few that are helping to unravel the mystery, including dealing with conspiracy theories? Well, we hope that there would be more. You know, it's hard to understand, really, frankly. Fifty-some years later, and they still want to hide these documents or redact much of the material in there. You know, when I when I decided to write the, the book, uh, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much About Dorothy Kilgallen, I... You know, and, and we can talk about why that happened. But um, you know, she was a she was a reporter who was after the truth. Uh, you know, and unlike many of the other people, including me, that have written about the JFK assassination, of course, Dorothy was there. She was at the Jack Ruby trial. Mm-hmm. All of that is up on the DorothyKilgallenStory dot org. All that all that uh, proof of of Dorothy being there. And um, what did she see? Well, you know, a lot of those documents that could have been released. Um, you know, show what Dorothy saw that led her to believe that she had basically in many ways solved the JFK assassination as the most credible reporter to do so. So you ask about a few things. Well, number one, the most important one in my opinion, was it was an FBI document uh, that showed JFK telling his subordinates, the agents at the FBI, uh, we must convince the American people that Lee Harvey Oswald and Lee Harvey Oswald alone killed JFK. And, uh, you know, that's what happened back then. Uh, You were too young uh, probably to realize it, but uh, J. Edgar Hoover was waving that banner. 
you know, Oswald alone, Oswald alone. He didn't want anybody to think there could be any conspiracy of any kind. He was protecting himself. If it was Oswald, then, you know, Oswald was a nut and, and nobody could have prevented that happening. But if there was some sort of a conspiracy or uh, whatever towards killing JFK, then then the FBI could be responsible. So that that was the most important one in there. And it was most important to me because just seven days after JFK died, Dorothy Kilgallen uh, wrote her first column, The Oswald File Must Not Close. And and she didn't believe that baloney about Oswald alone. And so that was an important one uh, for me to, uh, to find. The second one that I would point out to your listeners is uh, the fact that there's uh, information in those files that, um, and as it should be, uh, completely falsify any belief that Jack Ruby just happened to be uh, in the uh, Dallas Police Department basement when, when uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was being transferred. Um, and I've been able to also substantiate that by finding the Jack Ruby uh, trial transcripts. And uh, there's there's testimony in there that basically... Uh, uh, Ruby uh, made a phone call and, and uh, said, you know, when are they going to transfer Oswald, and then said, I'm going to be there. So I think that takes care of another myth that has always um, pervaded the JFK assassination. So while the, I wish all the documents had been um, released, uh, some of these are very relevant. Mm-hmm. Are you disappointed with the government not releasing all the documents? You know, it's just crazy. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, Dorothy Kilgallen died in 1965, and, and uh, you know, there was no investigation of her death, but the, 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 despite there being a staged death scene and all kinds of questions about what happened, and there was a cover-up back then. They did not want her to write a book for Random House that she was writing. Uh, they didn't want it to be published because she had connected um, a mafioso in New Orleans, Carlos Marcello, mm. with Ruby and Oswald, and she had really figured out what had happened. And so they had to shut her up, and that's what they did in the book, which is a true crime murder mystery, uh, sets out the suspects who could have been involved in all of that, but there was a cover-up then. Well, now we're looking at what, 50-some years later, and everybody's suspicious of the government, as you know. There's no transparency there. We never know what's going on. And I had hoped that um, somehow or another, uh, I guess I'm too much of an optimist, that all these documents would be released so that people can take a look at them. I mean, what in the world uh, could they be hiding uh, you know, that happened 50 years ago, perhaps government corruption of some sort, but still those documents need to be released. So which ones do you suspect were not released and why? Well, again, I would point because of what happened to, to mm. Dorothy Kilgallen, who's such a inspiration for women. She was a, a college dropout uh, who, you know, back then uh, women weren't supposed to be in the back seat; They were supposed to be in the car behind. And Dorothy overcame all of those gender issues and became a media icon. I mean, the New York Post called her the most fe- uh, most powerful female voice in America. And so, you know, I feel like that um, whoever, uh, you know, covered up the death of Dorothy Kilgallen, which we present in the book, as I say, a true crime murder mystery, uh, that same sort of sense uh, hits me that there's some sort of cover-up material in there about the FBI, perhaps even the CIA or something that happened back then that would, uh, you know, not show the government in its best light. And so for whatever reason, uh, I suspect that that's what's being covered up again. Mm-hmm. Since you wrote The Poison Patriarch about Joe Kennedy and his having been a central figure in JFK's assassination, yeah. did you learn any new information about his and the documents? Well, you know, Joe Kennedy was a bad guy. 
Um, you know, he wanted to, people have to understand the Kennedy, uh, you know, with the Kennedy family, good, bad, and ugly. Uh, Joe Kennedy wanted to be president of the United States. He had all the money in the world. And I think for the first time I was able to show that um, Joe Kennedy did want to be president, and that was his intention. But then he became ambassador to Great Britain, and while he was over there, showed some affection for, of all people, Adolf Hitler. And that didn't get him very good press. And so when he came back to the United States, his, his chances of becoming uh, president were, were nil and void. Uh, null and void. So mm-hmm. what did he decide? Well, I'll make one of my uh, sons president. Well, he, he wanted to make Joe Kennedy Jr. Um, president, but he died. So next up was Jack. And I think what people will find in that particular book and, and what Dorothy Kilgallen found that's in the, the, the reporter who knew too much is that Joe Kennedy really saw a dynasty. He saw Jack Kennedy as president, eight years. How about then uh, Bobby Kennedy? We'll make him attorney general so he gets a lot of publicity and things like this, and he'll go after the crime bosses and the mafia and everything, uh, despite those same bosses helping John Kennedy get elected in 1960. And then, you know, if that works out, hey, Ted Kennedy's right there and right on down the line. So you talk about uh, power-hungry people, power-hungry family. Uh, Joe Kennedy had that in mind, and uh, if if history would have uh, been a little bit different, uh, John Kennedy obviously became president, and Bobby Kennedy wanted to. uh, Both of them stopped by assassins. Unbelievable. So many people believe that the deaths of Marilyn Monroe and Dorothy Kilgallen are connected. Um, Mm -hmm. Were there any documents released proving this happened? Well, uh, you have to look at both of those uh, deaths. First of all, Dorothy Kilgallen. Well, they said that she died of an accidental dose of overdose, overdose of barbiturates and alcohol. Uh, many people thought she committed suicide. Nobody back then uh, wanted to look into that case because, as I've proven in the reporter who knew too much, there's no question that Dorothy was silenced, that she was murdered, that she was poisoned. There wasn't one barbiturate in her system, as I found out through the autopsy report and new forensic there were three in there so she was silenced all right so you have her being found in the bedroom she never slept in in clothes she never wore to bed um she um had on her eyelashes makeup and a hairpiece she never wore to bed uh so all of that uh, surrounds the mystery and it doesn't take a rocket science uh, scientist to figure out that uh you know they shut her up They, they, they basically they murdered dorothy kilgallen now we look at Marilyn. Well, Marilyn, you know, was uh, found in her bedroom. Um, you know, she uh, allegedly died of barbiturates and uh, I don't know if it was alcohol, but barbiturates. And so there's some similarities there. They knew each other for sure. Uh, Dorothy wrote when uh, Marilyn died, as people will read in the book, um, the whole story hasn't been told here. So she was um, suspicious of what happened to Marilyn. But to answer your question, I've never been able to find a distinct connection between both deaths. Now, of course, the Kennedy, um, you know, uh, you know, connection is there because uh, John Kennedy, of course, uh, um, Marilyn Monroe was his lover. And then when he dumped uh, Marilyn, then uh, Bobby Kennedy took over. So there's that uh, connection in that way. But Marilyn's death is much uh, tougher to figure out because they really messed up the crime scene and they, you know, there has to be so much speculation there with regard to what happened, whereas with Dorothy, uh, the evidence is much clearer. Why do you believe Dorothy Kilgallen's investigation of the assassinations is the most compelling story in history? Well, you know, that's a a bold statement, but... uh, 
you know, when I looked into this and I did my investigation, I mean, people can go to the DorothyKilgallenStory.org and they will see the evidence that Dorothy Kilgallen was there. Uh, she was at the Jack Ruby trial. Uh, there is uh, a, a videotape of her sitting right there with uh, Ruby's co-counsels. Uh, there's photographs of her there. She was on the job. She was a great investigative reporter who investigated the Dr. Sam Shepard case, the Lindbergh baby kidnapping case. I mean, she was at the top of her profession, and she was there. And she's the only reporter to have uh, interviewed Jack Ruby twice. She exposed his Warren Commission testimony before it was supposed to be released. So here's the difference. I've written about the JFK assassination. I wasn't there. All of these authors and so-called experts who have written about it, they weren't there. Dorothy was. She was an eyewitness to history, and she had a thick investigative file uh, with all of her material in there for her book. She was writing for Random House. Of course, most people remember her uh, from What's, What's My Line, my line? The television yeah, show. Exactly. <laughs> but she was, she, and 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 they, you know, I've I've heard from people all over the world. I mean, it's amazing with this book. It's become a bestseller. Uh, we've just signed a deal for it to become a television series best on, based on the book. But most people remembered her as What's My Line, although right. now they know about the rest of her career. But my point is uh, she was there, and uh, people can make up their own mind as to what she discovered. But I think for sure she is the most credible reporter uh, that we have, and, and hopefully I've been her voice and been able to uh, expose some of that uh, information and some of that investigation that she had way back in 1963 uh, when uh, JFK died. If you're just tuning in this morning, I'm listening. I'm, we're speaking to Mark Shaw. We do need to take a short break. We may never know what truly happened in cases like JFK assassination, but we can find comfort at least in knowing that there are people who will never stop looking for the truth. When we come back, stay with us here. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terra Mia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy tutorial with stucco walls and beam ceilings specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisines here, the atmosphere is elegant yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Restaurante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing, and best of all, it's reasonably priced. This best-kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112 or visit terramiarestaurante.com. Coffee no longer has to be a guilty pleasure. You've heard that red wine is good for you because of nature's most potent antioxidant, resveratrol. Vera Roasting Company makes the only coffee infused with it. Each cup of Vera's coffee delivers the same amount of resveratrol as found in a glass of red wine without the alcohol, sulfates, or tannins. Years of medical studies indicate that regular resveratrol in our diets promote cardiovascular health, slows the progression of certain cancers, Alzheimer's disease, and type 2 diabetes. Vera Roasting Coffee won double-blind taste tests against the leading coffees. Vera Roasting also offers its delicious heart-healthy coffees with added vitamin D to help Ward off the winter blues. You can't get Vera Roasting coffee in stores. You need to go to veraroasting.com. Free and fast shipping is always available. veraroasting.com. Vera like Vera Bradley. Go to veraroasting.com. That's veraroasting.com. Tides is beachside dining at its best all year round. 
Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat, no matter what the season. Nominated for Best of the North Shore from North Shore Magazine for Best Alfresco Dining, Best Kid-Friendly Restaurant, Best Lobster Dinner, and Best Water View. Why would you go anywhere else? Whether you choose their dining room, a frosty pint at their bar, or a sun-drenched deck on Nahant Beach, they guarantee you great atmosphere with super food and service. Their menu is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out their drink menu for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with their state-of-the-art tap wines. They feature full-service lottery and kino. Tides is the place to watch any big game. They have over 20 HD TVs. At Tides, they specialize in casual dining with food that's just delicious, not pretentious. Tides is a fantastic restaurant anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. The new Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com. Okay, we are back, and you're listening to Talk with Francesca. My guest today is Mark Shaw. He is a former criminal defense attorney and legal analyst for CNN, ESPN, and USA Today for the Mike Tyson, O.J. Simpson, and Kobe Bryant cases. Mark Shaw is also an investigative reporter, and he's the author of 25 books, including The Poison Patriarch, Miscarriage of Justice, and Beneath the Mask of Holiness. Mr. Shaw has written for USA Today, Huffington Post, and the New York Daily Times, and we are very lucky to have him with us. So big welcome back to you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Mark, you asked the New York DA's office to investigate the Kilgallen death. What's the update mm-hmm. on what's happening? Well, uh... You know, it's interesting with Dorothy. Uh, I've heard from people, as I say, all around the world. They've called her a patriot. Uh, they've said, you know, she she is the most credible reporter to have investigated JFK's death. How many people have said to me, you know, we wish we had a reporter like Dorothy Kilgallen today? Because, you know, Dorothy was somebody who went out and found the facts and then decided what the conclusion would be. And unfortunately, many of the journalists today do just the opposite. So she was a real woman of integrity. Mm-hmm. And I, I decided I wanted to be able to see if there could be an investigation of what happened to her, because there was none in 1965. The whole death was just covered up. So um, in, in the early part of the year, I sent a letter to the New York District Attorney's Office, uh, Cyrus Vance Jr., and asked them to investigate Dorothy's death. And the New York Post in January, uh, first part of January, I guess, or somewhere in there, uh, announced in an article that that was happening. They were doing that. And as I remember, the reporter told me there were 235,000 hits on that particular article. So people <laughs> remembered Dorothy, and they were they were so excited that this would happen. So for the next eight months, uh, I gave the New York District Attorney's Office all of the evidence that I had, both from the book and new evidence, uh, some tips from readers and things like that. And I even went to New York City and met with the chief investigator in uh, June. And everything was moving right along, and we were really uh, hoping that we were going to get uh, this, this thorough investigation. And in August, the uh, investigator and the assistant district attorney asked to speak with me, and we had this conversation. And right away, I could tell in their voices something was wrong. 
And they said, Mark, listen, we just can't go forward with this any longer. We haven't really found out anything. We think we've done a thorough investigation, but nothing's been really happening. And I'm, I'm sitting there just, um, you know, my teeth dropping because mm. I, I just couldn't believe that that was happening again. And so I kept <sighs> asking questions about who they'd talk to. We can't tell you that. Uh, and we don't believe there really is any evidence pointing to, you know, to murder. We can't, we haven't really been able to find that. And so we keep going through this conversation, and toward the end, then, as we're getting done, the one guy says, and, and, and Mr. Shaw, you should know, we can't, de- we can't tell who did it. Well, that's completely in conflict with, with looking into it and not finding out anything that, right. about her being harmed. So right. uh, disappointed, I uh, thought, wait a second, I really wonder if they've talked to these witnesses that I gave them and tried to find these documents. So I'd given them names of 25 witnesses and how to find them started email and finding out that none of them had been contacted. None of them. And for whatever reason, I don't know if the investigation became too expensive or too time-consuming or, wait a minute, it's 50 years later or whatever, they just gave up. So what I've been doing, I filed Freedom of Information Act requests and um, didn't get very far with that. We've appealed those. And so one of these days, if they continue to deny me information about what they did during this investigation, which was not thorough, uh, we'll get this this into the courts. And I've gotten a lawyer that's going to help with this, and we'll try to find out what happened. But it's deeply disappointing because, again, Dorothy didn't get the justice she deserved here. So I'm going to keep fighting for her. Uh, As I said, she was a very inspiring woman, and so many young journalists have have um, just uh, found great respect for Dorothy and all of that, so I'm going to keep fighting to get the truth. What is it about her that makes you want to keep fighting for the truth? Well, again, you know, um, I just have gained such respect for her, and mm-hmm. so many people have. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, I've heard from a, a readers, one reader who went to her grave in, uh, in New York there and, and placed flowers on there, mm. calling her a patriot, uh, you know, she was really searching for the truth, and she was so close to getting that information disclosed, which, in my opinion, would have changed the course of history. Uh, Dorothy uh, was on the job, and if you know anything about her, if you ever watch What's My Line, you could see that mentality in her uh, as a prosecutor kind of person, even when she was trying to guess the occupations of, of these people who appeared on that program. I mean, Dorothy was like that. As I say, she was a woman of the truth, so... Um, you know, I, I find myself in all my books defending people who were denied justice, and um, I believe that happened to Dorothy, and so I'm going to keep going to see if we can find the truth about what really happened to her. Mark, what question haven't I asked you? Or what question would you like me to ask you that I'm, I'm missing here? I don't, I don't know really that it would be. I think that, uh, you know, people can make up their own mind about what happened. There was absolutely, uh, maybe this is it, uh, you know, somebody dies, and they say, you know, they died of, a, of a barbiturates and alcohol. And, and what disturbs me is nobody came forward to uh, defend Dorothy. There was absolutely no evidence that she had a drug problem or was an alcoholic. And again, on the DorothyKilgallenStory.org, you can see uh, interviews with the people who knew her the best, her two hairdressers, or the woman who saw her the, on her last uh, What's My Line show, Jack Ruby's co-counsel. They all talk about um, uh, you know, Dorothy and how, how sharp her mind was and that there was no evidence of any of that. But nobody came forward, not her family, not her colleagues at What's My Line, not the journalists, nobody. 
They believe that because she was working on a JFK assassination and was killed, the same people who killed JFK mm. killed Dorothy Kilgallen, and they're not about to come forward. I mean, a couple of those hairdressers were interviewed in the 1990s, and as people will, um, will hear and see in their interviews, they were still scared then. And I've had witnesses who have, uh, have, have, uh, that I've found, uh, even in 2017, uh, who I found who had information about Dorothy uh, and what happened to her, who, who won't talk to me because they're still scared today. So that's, I guess, the, 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 the thing that, that you know, I want to make, make clear is that for whatever reason, you know, when somebody goes after the truth, like uh, somebody like Dorothy Kilgallen, right. then they absolutely risk their life, especially yeah. when it's as important as the JFK assassination. Absolutely. Do you honestly believe that one day the truth will be known about who assassinated JFK, or will the government do everything possible in the future to hide that truth? Well, you, you, you hope that at some point, whether it's this leader of the country or, or somebody in the future, you know, all these documents will be uh, revealed. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand on this from everything I've found, and I think other experts who have looked at the book and looked at what Dorothy Kilgallen did, her 18-month investigation, it's the closest we've ever come to a, a just a common sense um, scenario as to what happened. Because, uh, you know, if you go back to the 1960 election, uh, JFK was going to lose. And uh, Dorothy knew that. And uh, Richard Nixon would have been president. Well, Joe called in his gangster friends, uh, Giancana and, and Barcelo and all those guys, and had them help uh, win Illinois and West Virginia. And the deal was that if they helped him and they won, they'd leave those guys alone when they got in the White House. Well, that's not what happened because Bobby Kennedy was appointed attorney general. I had a witness in the Poison Patriarch who was right there when it happened. Joe, uh, you know, almost forced JFK to appoint Bobby Kennedy attorney general. And he went after those guys. Well, you can't do that. You can't mess around with those guys. And one of them was the person that Dorothy had honed in on, Carlos Marcello, the um, New Orleans Don, who Bobby Kennedy had deported and was trying to put in prison and all of that. And I think it was common sense. Uh, Marcello couldn't let that happen. Well, if he kills Bobby Kennedy, Joe, uh, JFK comes after him with everything the government has. But if you kill JFK, Bobby Kennedy is powerless, and that's exactly what happened. Bobby Kennedy never bothered those guys again. So Dorothy had uncovered this information and this scenario that she believed made sense, and that's why they killed her. The reporter who knew too much, you can pick that up anywhere, I would think, right, Mark? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Mark Shaw, thanks so much for being on Talk with Francesca today. It's really been a pleasure. Are there any um, addresses, websites that you want to share with my listeners before we say goodbye? Well, thank you. Um, the, my books, uh, all of them are at markshawbooks.com, and then there's the reporter who knew too much.com, but the Dorothy Kilgallen story.org, I think that's the. Um, corroboration for everything that's in the book because um, all of those interviews are up there and people can look at them and, and, and readers can uh, hear from eyewitnesses about what happened to Dorothy. So those are the uh, um, those are the websites that I would suggest. Oh, fantastic. Thanks again, Mark, for being with us today on Talk with Francesca. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. All right, it's time to wrap things up. We've got to say goodbye. I hope that you found the show interesting, informative. Shoot me an email. Let me know what you're thinking, feeling. Hopefully I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Make it a great week.